ESPN 94.1 FM at AM 930 present The Drive. Brought to you by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Local then, local now. Never FDIC. It is Monday, November 16th. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. You can join the program by calling the Miller Lite phone lines at 877-420-TALK. That is 877-420-8255. Miller Lite holds true. Great taste. Only 96 calories. It is the original light beer. we got a lot to get into today. This is anytime Marshall wins on Saturday, especially the 75 game. You come in on a Monday, you feel really good about the whole experience. And then everything that has been happening for the Thundering Herd, Marshall comes into the week ranked 15th now in both the Associated Press and the Amway USA Today coaches poll. You improve one spot on the Associated Press list. So right there, 15. I think that's pretty good. That's, that's a fair ranking, I think, for the Thundering Herd, 15th. You look at some of those teams ahead of the herd, and you think, oh, there's some pretty good teams up there. And you look at some of the teams below the herd, and you're like, okay, I think Marshall could compete with those teams. 15, that's pretty fair. That's pretty solid. And, of course, you got to go out and win. No matter what, you got to go out and win. And so the herd right now, undefeated, 15th. Charlotte will be the next opponent. That's a game, again, has a lot of unknowns. And we're going to hear from Doc Holliday a little bit later on about that game as well as Dan D'Antoni. We're going to hear from him because they get to start practice up again. They're going to ease into it. They've got, what, eight days it feels like? I think, what, eight days here? Is that what we're looking at here before Marshall gets at it again? The day before Thanksgiving and the day after, and we're going to get into all of that later on in the program. Speaking of Marshall football, though, let's stay with that just for a second. What can you say about Grant Wells that we haven't already I mean, the kid was amazing, 25 of 37, 336 yards, five touchdowns. And the kid also, the young man, I'm sorry, the young man, no interceptions. He had a good day. He had a really solid day. And he had 39 yards on the ground, so he had a pretty complete game. And this was his first as a starter 75 game. And you know there's a lot of expectations, not necessarily pressure. These kids deal with that all the time. But there are expectations on that game. And the Thundering Herd gets it done, wins the game 42-14 over Middle Tennessee. And so Grant Wells has a game that we will be talking about for a long time. If he has more great games like this, you can look back at one of these important games and say this was an important game for him. And I thought it was really uh, a special game. 50th anniversary of the plane crash. A lot of significance there. And excellent performances by Willie Johnson, Corey Gamage. They both caught two touchdowns apiece. I mean, Grant's having a great day. Five touchdowns. I mean, Hurd got a helmet sticker. There was a helmet sticker on ESPN. That was awesome to see that. And the defense special teams units, three fumbles. All of them turned into touchdowns by the offense. So the defense got into the act as well, helped lead the Thundering Herd to this victory. So now Marshall's got Charlotte. Charlotte's 2-3, two 2-1 and, three. Two and one in conference play, but 2-3. and three. So they have had trouble getting games in. 
Game's going to be 1230. We'll have it for you right here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. And now, after everything that happened on Saturday, I mean, the governor was in. He was watching the game. He was hanging out with Bob Pruitt. I saw him get his picture taken with Coach Pruitt, Marco, and the championship trophy. Yes, I got mine too. I, I went over and talked to him. And it's, it's a beautiful trophy. I got to see it up close uh, a couple of times. They brought it into the press box in the working press area and got to look at it briefly there as well. It's a beautiful trophy up, up close. It really is. And you see the energy from that game. Sure, it's not a full stadium like you'd like it to be, but the crowd there was somber, respectful, understood the moment, and then able to switch gears and get after Middle Tennessee. And I think Marshall did a good enough job of getting these kids ready to go. Came out a little tight, and I think really after they got over that tightness, we saw what all of the preparation and what Marshall can do happen. We saw all of that. And so now we've got Charlotte coming in. That's going to be our focus this week. Marshall also, because of its performance, named the Football Writers Association of America's National Team of the Week. Second time in history of the program being named America's National Team of the Week. Kansas State game, remember that upset? I believe that was the first time they won that award. And so now it's been a long time, but they win it. And, of course, part of that is because of how special the win was, 50th anniversary of the Southern Airways Flight 932 plane crash, 50th anniversary that we remember the date, mark the date, and it was a pretty solid performance, 42-14 over Middle Tennessee. You're supposed to do that. That's what I want to see Thundering Herd football do. You're supposed to beat these teams like this, and Doc's really got it going right now. So the challenge will be to keep that going against Charlotte, I think the Thundering Herd has a solid chance here of going undefeated with the rest of the schedule, getting to that championship game. Marshall will play host in that championship game if everything plays out the way it should. Staying undefeated will definitely do that for the Thundering Herd. And with Grant Wells, I think, getting better after every game, I mean, honestly, the kid is not a redshirt freshman as far as I'm concerned on the football field. He's getting better every game, more confidence, more sure of what he can do. The game's slowing down for him, and he also received some individual awards. He was named today to the Davey O'Brien midseason watch list, which is given to the nation's top quarterback. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't it be something if he got in on that action? Some good quarterbacks out there, but if he was able to get into the conversation, I mean, that's going to be fantastic for his career. Also, and you'll hear it here later on. We got the news. I think we got the news faster than Doc Holliday did because once I saw that it was official and I, I told Doc Holliday on the conference call today, he's like, I don't know who got it. Tell me. Grant Wells, Conference USA Offensive Player of the Week. And on special teams, Robert Lefevre, the special teams player of the week. So more hardware coming to the Thundering Herd. And here's one I didn't know until Marshall released it not that long ago. Athlon's pick for its National Offensive Freshman of the Week, Grant Wells. So lots of awards, lots of hardware coming the Herd's way. Feels good, doesn't it? Marshall's undefeated, winning, makes it all 
feel good, even though it's been a crazy season. And, of course, now that we're past the 75 game, the focus will be going 1-0, and winning the remainder of your games. Thundering Herd has that opportunity. Charlotte, the next opponent. And then we get the basketball information as well. As I said, we're going to hear from Dan D'Antoni a little bit later on, but we've got tip-off times for the first two games. Now, it seems like we're going to play them. I still am not sure how this is going to happen for college basketball, how many of these games we're going to get in. But for the Thundering Herd, right now we have times. So the November 25th and November 27th games against Coppin State and Tennessee State, 6 p.m. will be start time. So 6 p.m. start time on those dates. Reminder from Marshall that went out with the release. For the health and safety of our fans and in an effort to follow local health guidelines, the concession stands will not be open. So no concessions. You're going to be allowed to bring one unopened bottle of water no larger than 20 ounces. So you don't have to sit there the entire time without a bottle of water or something to drink. You're going to have that opportunity. And we'll find out the rest of the schedule. I think they're going to play it by ear. We're going to see what those times are going to look like here, but we don't have those yet. But if you're a season ticket holder, this is a reminder also from Marshall. You have until Wednesday, 4 p.m., to opt in to the basketball ticket lottery for the ability to receive tickets to games this season. So you have the option to opt in, but you have to do it, and you have to do it quick. November 18th, 4 p.m. I wouldn't even push the deadline. If you haven't done so already, you should do so now if you are interested. It's going to be limited attendance. I don't know what the seating chart's going to look like just yet. I haven't had an opportunity to, uh, to get a hold of that. I haven't seen it. But I know as far as a member of the media is concerned, I'm not going to be allowed anywhere near the floor. I'm not going to be in protocol. I am outside of the protocol. So a lot of people who are inside the protocol will be down there in the basketball area, the, the court, press row, or traditional press row, scorer's table. They're going to be in protocol. Uh, for the rest of us, we're going to be outside of protocol, so um, we're not going to be anywhere near that. And I think that's going to be the same for, for the fans. I don't know how far the fans are going to be you know, placed. I don't know if Marshall fans are going to be in herd heaven, if they're going to be in the upper echelon, upper level of the chair back seats. I don't know. And as soon as we get that information, we'll pass it along to you. But I know Marshall's doing the very best it can to make this happen, to accommodate the fans it can accommodate, and at the same time make sure these kids have the opportunity to play, keep them as far away from people outside of protocol as possible. And, of course, it's very hard. I mean, these kids are not living in a bubble. They have to go outside. They have to do things, but they're being very careful. They're trying to be very careful anyway. And uh, tomorrow, we're going to hear from Tavion Kinsey and Jared West. I'm going to save those for tomorrow because I want to get to Dan D'Antoni today, and we can go a couple of days uh, without digging into uh, some of the stuff we talked about with Tavion and with Jared. So just a, a tease for tomorrow. We've got Jared. Uh, we've got Tavion. Uh, we'll probably get Grant Wells tomorrow as well. We've got player interviews coming up on Tuesday. So that's what we've got coming up just ahead of time. Give you an idea. We're going to go into this pretty deep this week with basketball and with football. But when we come back from break, 
couple other things I want to get into with you. We have, of course, an idea of what the basketball championship is going to look like in NCAA. Uh, we've got a couple of games canceled I want to tell you about. Later on, we're going to hear from Doc Holliday. Uh, we'll hear from Dan D'Antoni. All of that's coming up. I appreciate you tuning in. I'm your host, Paul Swan. This is The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Never miss a moment of The Drive with Paul Swan. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Welcome back to the Monday, November 16th edition, The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. As I mentioned to you, we got a couple of cancellations to tell you about. I'm going to focus mainly on the games that are of interest to us in the area. Ohio-Miami. That's a that's an important game to both schools. And that game has been canceled, not postponed, canceled. Uh, according to uh, the Miami University football website, the reason the game is being canceled is due to Ohio University's football team having tested positive for COVID-19 and, of course, subsequent contact tracing. The game has been declared a no contest, so that game not happening. I, I was hoping to have a little Miami and Ohio maction. You know, that's been a nice little diversion. Uh, you say what you will about playing football game on a Tuesday or Wednesday don't hate it it's fun sure the fans maybe don't show up but this season it's the perfect season to have match and the fans aren't going to be able to show up much anyway so that game's been canceled of course I told you the other day that UAB that game was canceled this week they did that a few days ago so the league moving ahead quickly with the postponement schedule because that game Sort of getting getting it started. UAB, no game. We got another one to add. It's it's already Monday, and we already have a game to add to that list. And it's not really a Conference USA fault, but Louisiana Tech, they were scheduled to take on ULM, University of Louisiana Monroe. They were scheduled to play them. That game, which was set for Saturday, Canceled due to COVID-19 concerns within the Warhawk program. That's right. Um, They have got problems. And, yeah, it's, um, oh, and Marshall's doing it right. West Virginia's doing it right. There are teams that are doing it right, and then there are just teams that just, they're having serious problems here. So, I'm sure if you're Louisiana Tech right now, you're just thinking, man, we're going to get a game here? So already, Conference USA putting out the weekly release, and you look and you see UAB at UTEP postponed. Then you see Friday, UMass at FAU. Okay, we've got that game. Saturday, Charlotte Marshall, we got that game. FIU at Western Kentucky. Yes, got that game. Rice at North Texas, happening as far as I know. UTSA at Southern Miss, happening as far as I know. Middle Tennessee at Troy, far as I know, that's happening. La Tech at ULM, nope, canceled. So we've got two down, and we hopefully will have the rest of the schedule. That would give us six games. If we can go the rest of the week without a cancellation, we've got six games and Conference USA. We were down to just a couple, Marshall and a couple, on Saturday. 
usually I've got like seven games to talk about. Not this season. I'm lucky to get two games. If we're talking about what's happening in the league outside of Marshall, I'm lucky to get two games. So that's where we're at right now. And, of course, basketball. We're going to get into this later. We'll hear from Dan D'Antoni, but basketball is back in the news. Of course, it's going to start up soon, but the NCAA Division I Men's Basketball Committee made the announcement today of the relocation of 13 predetermined preliminary round sites for the 2021 Division I Men's Basketball Championship. What are they going to do? Well, they have decided that the championship should be held in a single geographic area to enhance the safety and well-being of the event. Ladies and gentlemen, the NCAA is going bubble. We're going to bubble up for the NCAA tournament. So it's going to be on everybody that's involved to get there okay. You Once you get there, you're in the bubble, it feels like. I wonder if it's going to be a true bubble. I don't know if it's going to be it. I don't know if you can do that. Can you? I mean, it's a single elimination tournament, obviously, but are you going to have a, a, a true bubble? But right now, the NCAA preliminary talks with the state of Indiana and the city of Indianapolis to potentially host the 68-team tournament around the metropolitan area during the coordinated dates in March and April. Indianapolis already set to be the host site for the men's final four. That would be April 3rd to 5th. So NCAA needs that event to happen. Needs that television money. I don't know how much attendance gate. I don't know what that's going to cost you, but you got to have that event. Already so many programs in the NCAA took a serious hit because the revenue was just not there. And we know how college athletic departments across the country, some are better with math than others. And so we've seen an unfortunate amount of layoffs, furloughs. There are some people who are probably never getting their job back. There are other people who are probably on reduced salary or they're furloughed and they're not getting anything and hoping that there's going to be a turnaround to come back or maybe they just can't come back and they have to move on. Whatever the case may be, it's been pretty detrimental to athletic departments across the country. And a part of that is because athletic departments across the country don't seem to have a war chest, don't seem to have a, a, a reserve. It's whatever comes in is pretty much your budget and you're trying to push that envelope further so you can bring in more because you want to meet that budget. And so, unfortunately, those departments that are not doing well, part of that, again, is because what you bring in, you usually spend. I know that's not the case with every athletic department, but it feels that way. You look at the revenue in, let revenue out, and it's going to be difficult to to keep this up. TV money, I'm sure, is going to be uh, not as big But you need to have the NCAA tournament if you want to continue with the revenue structure that you've got. You need this. And so if they're going to do a bubble, I don't know if it's going to be, okay, we're going to be in a a limited geographic area here in the metro. Are you going to put teams up for the week? Are you going to maybe condense the tournament? Are you going to have uh, games in succession to get to the April 3rd, 5th date? Are you going to have those dates be is it going to be like a running tournament? Instead of we wait Thursday and Saturday or Friday, Sunday, we're going to have games every other day. How is that going to work? We don't know yet. But right now, 
that's what the NCAA is looking at, a a host city. I just don't know if it's going to be a true bubble. Are we talking a bubble like the NBA, the NHL, the basketball tournament? Which I thought the basketball tournament set a great example. They had a great concept and executed on it. And they were pretty stringent, too. You test positive, anyone in your group test positive, you're out. Not just you, your team. So it made it really an incentive for these teams that are entering that tournament to take care of themselves, stay away from people, social distance, wear the masks, do everything you can to, to say, really to stay safe. Hopefully the NCAA will have a good plan for the basketball tournament. I mean, if they can pull it off, more power to them. At the same time, though, I don't know how far we're going to get right now with the schedule, especially these last uh, few weeks. We've seen college football games start to get to the point where we're canceling more than we are seeing played. More cancellations than games being played. It's getting to the point now where it's going to be an interesting next couple of months to see how college athletics tackles this. The NFL, they've got their own thing going on. We don't have the NBA back just yet. We don't have hockey back just yet. So right now, we're all focused on college football for the most part. How college football is going to handle this. And will we have some of the other sports return? Will basketball be able to pull this off? Are we going to get a a call here in the next few days before Marshall's basketball games coming up? Nope, not going to play them. Is that going to be an issue? Or will the league push games back or look at the schedule and go, okay, we're going to change the schedule up a little bit? I mean, is this going to be something that's going to be fluid? And is it something that we're going to be living with for a while as far as, okay, the schedule has been changed because we need to make an adjustment here? I don't know the answer to that. But when we continue, I uh, want to talk football with you. We've got Doc Holliday. We're going to hear his presser. Later on, we'll hear from Dan D'Antoni. When we continue with today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. You're listening to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We're presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. This is The Drive for Monday, November 16th on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan, and it's that part of the Monday you look forward to Every Monday, because it means, well, it's Doc Holiday time. And Doc Holiday's been having a great time so far. Undefeated. Consistent program. And there was a tweet earlier that I caught. Pete Thamel tweeted that of the coaching hires around that 2010 class, there are a couple guys left. And it's Brian Kelly and Doc Holliday. I briefly mentioned that to him and just asked him about that when it came up, about the consistency of that program. So listen out for that. But Doc Holliday, of course, it was an emotional time. When he came to Huntington and came to Marshall, he became a member of the Thundering Herd and really took that to heart, invested his time and heart into this program. And the 75 game means a lot to him. And so... In his presser this afternoon, he starts out pretty thankful to everyone. I mean, even the media. He was thankful for everybody. So we'll start there with Doc Holliday's weekly Zoom conference. Okay. Um, just uh, before I get going here, just like to say, really, I'm really proud of the football team, the way they handled last week. I thought uh, 
what a great week it was for all of us, uh, including you guys, our fan base, and this Marshall program. It's what it's all about. And I thought we represent. I think you can't imagine the number of calls I've gotten from other coaches and other people throughout the country of what a class act uh, this place is, how they handled it, and just uh, proud of our players were able to go out and play like they did to get that victory on a very special day. So. Moving forward, uh, our captains this week will be Sheldon Evans and uh, and Will Almer on offense, uh, Beckett and uh, Nazi Nazi on defense, and uh, both those guys played tremendous. Or all four of those guys continue to play great, uh, continue to lead. Uh, we've got a Charlotte team coming in here this course this week that uh, had about three weeks off, and I don't know how many times I've sat here in front of you, and that's been the case. You know, two to three weeks there's been a lot of open dates prior to us this year, so uh, they'll have a lot of preparation. Um, as far as we're concerned, uh, we got to do some catching up as far as our preparation goes and got to have a great week of practice. And just before I get going, I'd like to, again, thank the fan base for what a job they've done. I mean, uh, you look out there and that 12,500, whatever it was, sounded like 25 or 30 again. So did a great job and our kids appreciate that. So that being said, we'll go forward here. Doc, it's just uh, announced you've got, the again, a couple uh, players of the week in Conference USA. This has got to be a testament to, you know, how hard these kids are working. Yeah, who are they? That's the first time. Uh, <laughs> you got uh, Grant Wells, Offensive Player of the Week, yeah. and then uh, Lefevre got for Special Teams Player of the Week. You'd think Jason would tell me that, but uh, he's, hell, he's standing 15 feet from me, so <laughs> I appreciate you guys doing what he should be doing. But no, that's great. I mean, that's that's great for our program, great for our kids, and very deserving on both those kids' part. Doc, we touched on it a little bit after the game on Saturday, but for Grant Wells to go in there and win you a game, I mean, he he basically had to take the team eyes back. They were taking Brendan away. They they're trying to limit your rushing attack, and and for him to make plays with the arm, you know, how important was it for him to do that? And how much better did it look to you all, um, you know, on film once you watched it after the game? Well, I think that was the next step we had to take. You know, I mean, I think, you know, I've said many times in here when. You, know, you got to be able to take what the defense gives you, and, and when they're going to commit, you know what they committed to stopping Knox in the running game. Then the receivers, you know, it's not just a Grant Wells thing. And don't get me wrong, he's he's the trigger guy, but the receivers stepped up and made plays, which they had to. The offensive line continues to. I can't remember the last time we've had a sack. You know, they've sat there and protected, and that's not just the offensive line; that's the running backs, you know, stepping up there and protecting as well. So, I think that's the next step that we've taken as an offense is when people take certain things away, then we got to be able to execute uh, and win on the outside and throw the ball around a little bit, which we did. I know a lot of times for a young team, you might not mention last year's game, but where you all have got such a veteran team, do you, do you use that uh, that experience from last year against Middle Tennessee, against a Charlotte this week, and, and sort of remind those guys, hey, you know, they took it away from you last year because you weren't ready to go, and and uh, we didn't reach our goals because of. Do you use that as motivation at all? Absolutely. You know, I, mean, I, don't, I don't think I have to because the kids are already talking about it. You know, I mean, I think you know I heard guys talking about it after the game uh, themselves. So. You know, they understand that, uh, you know, where this team, and I think, you know, with a mature football team, you just got to be honest with them. You know, here's where we are. You know, obviously they got one loss in the league and, and uh, you know, they're coming in here and, and uh, we got to find a way to win the game. Doc, you think the program's consistency, you've been there a long time. And Pete Thamel tweeted something out earlier about of more than 20 coaches changes, you and Brian Kelly still at the school and mentioned you're undefeated. You think the consistency that you've built with this program, it's helped you cope with all the uncertainty of 2020? Yeah, I think so. And I, I think, 
you know, I think it's not just myself. I mean, I think it's a consistency with, you know, our athletic director has been here a year longer than I have, you know, and Mark Dale's been here for a hundred years. And, you know, you've got just so many people that have been, you know, JC Price has been here going on nine years. There's a lot of continuity. You know, our SID has been here forever. And, you know, a lot of the guys within, you know, Beatrice and, and uh, Jeff O'Malley and Scott Morehouse. And, you know, there's so many of those people are involved in making all this work, you know, in the day-to-day that you all don't have no clue about as far as testing and everything that has to happen. And so I think there's no doubt that uh, that tells you a little bit about this profession. What, 23, whatever it was, coaches were hired. There's only two of us left. That's the way it works, you know. And, uh, you know, that being said, that's uh, I think there's no doubt when you get into a situation like we're in right now with all the uncertainty and everything that's involved, stability helps, you know, because, you know, it just it does. And that's no question that's probably helped us this year. Coach, talking about your defense, they're a top five and yards allowed and points allowed. And is that style of play infectious where everyone wants to do their part to, to keep them out of the end zone, to, to bust them back on third and short? It's just to see that they're just they hop around so much and they want to make that play to, to, to keep those numbers down and, and, you know, pitch a shutout or hold them to seven points, that kind of thing. You know, I don't think they feed off each other, you know, and. I think the thing is, if you look out there, there's a lot of guys playing. You know, you look at that defensive line, they're rolling eight, 12 guys in there, you know, every game. And, you know, those defensive ends, the D linemen, you know, a lot, a lot of guys are playing, you know, so they, they, I think this defense does a great job of holding each other accountable and they, they want to be great, you know, and they play extremely hard. You go, what turn the film on those guys play hard and they got good players. So I think it's a combination of all things. And, uh, you got to give Brad and JC and that defensive staff all the credit because they've sure done a great job of coaching those guys up as Tim and the offensive staff has as well. Coach, what can you tell us about Hayden Hagler? We know he came in, caught the caught a quick touchdown there to give you guys a 14-7 lead, and he actually did it on his mother's birthday on the on the day of the crash. I mean, it seems like you mentioned a lot of those things that line up on that game, but he's a guy who we really don't know a whole lot about yet. Well, I tell you, there's you know you you know you talk about things that line up, and I didn't know it either, but. You know, kind of some of the things that did line up. We we ran seventy five plays offensively. We had seventy five yards and penalties. I mean, how, how about that? And then of course this one with the birthday deal. You know, Hayden Hagler, you know, has, has been through an awful lot of adversity. His family has in his life. I mean, some tragic, tragic things have gone on with that family. And I'm just so happy that uh, you know his mom lives here now with him and his dad. And uh, he's just such a great, wonderful kid. A, a wonderful kid and. Anything that could happen positive for that kid, he, him and his family sure deserve it because he's a special kid and they're a special family. So I was happy for, for that to happen. Looking ahead to this week, Doc, um, last year, somebody that I remember that gave you all fits, it seemed, was Victor Tucker on the outside, the receiver. And I know that uh, you look at Charlotte, you look at Chris Reynolds and Victor Tucker. What is it that makes those two really tough to go against in Conference USA play? Well, there's no doubt he's he's an excellent receiver, number one. <clears throat> and he's got a quarterback that can – you know, I think the one thing about this week, uh, very similar to last week, was the st- quarterback, the style of play they, they had. You know, both those guys are similar – you know, in a lot of ways, you know, and Reynolds can beat you with his feet as well as his arm. You know, he extends plays. He keeps things going just like uh, O'Hara did. So hopefully there'll be some carryover for us from from the middle game to the Charlotte game uh, because of the style of quarterback that they have. But the, the, they got great receivers. I mean, Victor Tucker has hurt a lot of people and uh, they don't, they, but they got, a, they got several skill kids, a lot of skill kids out there at the receiver position that can make plays and that Brad recruited. They're extremely fast. 
seemed like last week, uh, especially on third down, you know, Middle Tennessee prides itself on getting the ball out quickly and and letting their guys uh, go to work in space to get those yardage. And it seemed like Nazi and and Pitts and some of those defenders really came up well on third downs and, and stopped uh, stopped guys at impact to to keep those extra yards after contact from resulting in first downs. Well, what you got to do when you you know we talk about that all the time is we take great pride in trying to have single-digit missed tackles in the games we play. And, you know, when you play against a team like that, and this week will be similar, is you got to tackle – you got to be able to tackle in space. And I thought there was multiple times out there that Pitts and Nazi and and Gilmore, because what they do is they got put in position back at you know, some of those guys where you had to get guys down, not only the perimeter players, but also the quarterback, you know, and with quarterback runs that you had to get down and get him on the ground in a space situation. I thought our guys did a great job of doing that. So – That'll be a carryover uh, to this game as well. Doc, how's the situation in the offensive line? I know Kate, Kane Madden couldn't go the last game, and Josh Ball didn't finish the game. Yeah, I think Josh. I saw Josh walking here this morning. He should be fine. You know, Josh should be fine. Uh, you know, at this time of year, you got a couple guys beat up a little bit. I think Kane will be fine by the time we roll around here. You know, towards the end of the week. So it uh, looks like we'll have those two. And, and right now, I don't see anybody up front there that's we say is not going to play. And, uh, you know, we need those guys to play, and, and uh, we'll see as the week goes on. But I don't see any issue in, in both those guys being you know, lining up and playing for us on Saturday. Doc, is this is this a situation, though? I know that Greg was, you know, coaching guys up in the preseason, and, and I think every offensive lineman played all positions, all five positions during the preseason. Is this a situation that, that you did that for, basically? Well, no doubt. I mean, you know, Almer went in there for the first time in his life and played guard the whole game. You know, in this past game, did a nice job. You know, Will Armour went in and played right guard for Madden. So, you know, I think, you know, what he did every every practice and, and, and you know, even some even, even during game week is we had six or seven guys that we rolled in there playing multiple positions. And there's no doubt that's helped us in this past game and that'll help us in the future. And really proud of Dalton Tucker. I thought Dalton Tucker went in there and, and he played the entire time Josh was out and, and played well. You know, so you know, I think the one thing it's and it's critical this year with what we're dealing with is, you know, these guys have got to step up when their numbers called. And that's happened multiple times at different positions. And it was great to see Dalton go in there and play at a high level that he did because uh, that, that helped us, of course, finish that game and do it the right way. Coach, you mentioned a moment ago how, like, some of these players Brad recruited a couple of years ago. How do you use, now that he's on your staff for year number two, how do you use that to your advantage, knowing that he yeah. knows some? I mean, he knows what type of players they are. I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, he's been here a couple of years now, but he recruited them and he knows their skill set and that type of thing. So, but, but at the end of the day, I mean, we played against them a year ago and there's a lot of tape on them and that type of thing. So, you know, I don't know how much it's going to help us, uh, him recruiting them at this point, but uh, he recruited a hell of a lot of good players there. I know that. Those guys that got playing in the NFL now are, are his guys. And uh, so he did a great job while he was there. And, and just now I'm proud that he's here because he's doing a hell of a job for us as well. I know that they added the uh, Harbison kid, if I'm not mistaken, the running back from Northern Illinois uh, came in. I, I know that McAllister was a big back for him too. What, what are you seeing out of those two backs for them? Well, they're talented players. I mean, the kid from Northern Illinois was the best player they had last year, one of the top players in the Mid-American Conference and was a leading rusher, correct me if I'm wrong, there at Northern Illinois a year ago. So uh, there's no doubt they're talented. they got really got really good backs and it'll be a challenge for our defense. There you have it. You got Don Holiday. You got everything that we got today. So now you're on top of 
all things Marshall football, at least until tomorrow. We'll have something new for you then. When we continue, we're going to have a little bit of Dan D'Antoni's press conference from earlier this afternoon as well. We'll get you that when we continue with today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Now, back to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Our phone lines this hour brought to you by Miller Lite, 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. Miller Lite hold true, great taste, only 96 calories. It is the original light beer. We're going to wrap up today's show. We've got most of Dan D'Antoni's presser from earlier this afternoon. And the NCAA... He's going to talk a little bit about that, the fact that they're going to have this in possibly Indianapolis as far as the tournament's concerned. Also, uh, the first question that was asked of Dan is, how do you get this thing started back up? You've got eight days to go. How do you get it started back up? Uh, you know, I don't know other than just start. And uh, we're bringing them back today. Uh, you know, we have, what, six weeks to prepare normally for first game, and four of those six were wiped out. So... You know, obviously, uh, the advantage we have by returning uh, veteran players kind of got pushed back a little bit in that uh, everybody had a chance to catch up with us. But, uh, you know, we usually get our tests back in the afternoon today, found out that uh, we got them back in the morning. So we hastily put together a shooting practice today. So we're going to divide them up in two groups, bring them in and get some shots up and then start full-time back where we were before we left, and then try to crowd everything in before the uh, 25th opener. Well, for you all, Dan, is, is that sort of the thing, is getting your legs back to go at your all's tempo and, and getting shot, you know, to go in and, and sort of that, uh, that conditioning aspect of it? Well, I think that is the biggest part of it, is the conditioning. But you also lose, because uh, of our offense, which run, is the synchronization between the players and uh, the ability to uh, make quick decisions, decisive decisions in the realm with your teammates. And, uh, you know, that, uh, that, that's a process. And, and if you watch our teams, you've always seen that our teams always kind of get better. So that's a process that just takes going over and over and over to get it better and better. And uh, we lost a couple of weeks of that. Then the conditioning part of it to run at our pace. And then uh, the other big element in our game is shooting. And there's nothing better than repetitions for shooting. And we lost two weeks of that. Who who do you think gets affected the most by this? The guards or, or the post guys? The coach. <laughs> <laughs> I got to gear myself up to get back down here and get going. Uh, you know what? I, uh, we don't really post, so we play a, a, a positionless uh, offense. So, you know, if you're talking about Jansen, he's shooting as many outside shots as uh, as Tavion or uh, vice versa. So uh, I wouldn't say uh, anyone uh, or what got affected more or less really on our team. You know, with Iron, we know he was going home um, well, at that family. Well, Iron is a big thing, is, is not as much maybe shooting as the others, but uh, certainly the conditioning and uh, uh, running. He was down to under just under 300 pounds. I haven't seen him in uh, 14 days. 
It'll be see where he is and let's see if we can't keep it uh, under 300 and headed toward two, 280, which is what I hope. Coach, how about, uh, I don't know if you had a chance to see the news that came out just a little bit ago about the NCAA moving the whole tournament to Indy. Uh, for you, I guess, think that's a good thing, think it's a bad thing. What are your thoughts on them trying to just, you know, stop COVID and put everything in one spot for the tournament? Well, let's see. The whole thing is going to be where now? Indianapolis? And they, they're bringing how many teams? Everybody. Yeah, the whole tournament's going to be in Indy. Well, yeah, when they, you say the whole tournament, because at one time they were talking about expanding the tournament team-wise that gets in it. Is the is everybody in the tournament now, or what? What's the deal? I think it's just sixty-eight. Yeah, the release the the release right. it up a little bit ago was sixty-eight teams, and they're doing away with the thirteen regional sites, um, and everything going to Indianapolis. Well, I mean, are they reducing the days in between, or is it uh, is it the same time length? Uh, is it like uh, Thursday through Sunday, and then wait Thursday through Sunday, or is it going to be? Uh, Thursday through Sunday, but the teams that play Thursday play Monday. Uh, you know, I don't know if they've shortened the, the, the time since you're not traveling, shortening the time between games. Does anybody that, know? I don't that know. That wasn't clear in the release. It, it sort of yeah. looked like started negotiations with Indianapolis on getting all that ball rolling. So, Well, I think the biggest thing is just like anything else. Everybody else is playing by the same rules you are, and then you got to adjust and make sure you're ready for it. Did you talk to Mike at all about, like, what what playing in the bubble was like? Because it seems like that's what they're trying to pattern it after was the, the TBT and, and uh, the NBA's bubble. Talk to my brother? Yeah. Mike? My brother, Mike. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> He's got enough problems. He's up there trying to figure out what to do in New York. But uh, – and they got uh, draft coming up and – trades and everything else happening for them. So, you know, he's got a new scenario, so he's probably tied up with that. But We're going to cut it there because we are about out of time, but you get the gist of it. They've got to get back to sort of a conditioning program the same time they've got an opportunity here in the next few days to, to do that as they play. So it's going to be interesting. The day before Thanksgiving, the day after Thanksgiving, is when you're going to have those games. 6 o'clock is going to be the tip time or approximately 6 o'clock for both those days. Don't forget, if you are a season ticket holder or were a season ticket holder, you want to get in on the lottery. November 18th, 4 p.m., your deadline to opt in. You should do it now. Don't wait till the 18th. Do it now. That's going to do it for this edition. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it. Back tomorrow, we'll do it all over again here on ESPN 94.1 at AM 930. Your flagship home of the Marshall Thundering Herd and The Drive with Paul Swan, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.